curious, how many of you have seen the movie Wonder? Okay, not as many as all the other movies. Of all the four movies that we've done in this series, I think that's the most impactful one of the four. It's very interesting. If you don't, haven't watched the movie, it's a story about this uh, fifth grader. His name is Augie, and uh, he's born with Treacher's Syndrome, uh, Collins Syndrome, which uh, part of that means that you have severe disfigurement on your face. And so it's the story of him trying to kind of survive in fifth grade at school. Because kids, you know how kids can be, they're mean to him, they tease him, they bully him, and, and he's just trying to make it through. Meanwhile, his mom and his dad and his sister are doing everything they can to encourage him and help him persevere. So it's got some really good life principles, faith principles we're going to talk about this morning. But before we do that, I want to just take you on a little bit of a tangent as it relates to this series we've been in at the movies. It seems like every time I do this series or something close to that, I always have someone that's well-intentioned uh, or several people, and they'll come up to me and they'll say something like this, very pious tone. They'll say, Pastor, we're, we're in church. Wait, thank you very much. I know that, yes. We're in church. Aren't we supposed to be studying God's Word, the Scriptures? I say it like that, right? Um, instead of watching movie clips, eating popcorn from secular movies, right? And uh, so they, they mean, well, the, 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 the emphasis is on the word secular, right? The suggestion is that anything that is secular automatically has to be bad or evil or wrong. And what I want to do is not only answer the question, but more importantly, give you some perspective so that when you walk out of here, you have some extra tools to know how to navigate. Let me give you some definitions and show you why they matter. So sacred, the word sacred refers to something that glorifies Jesus, and it mentions God, right? And it gives us a biblical worldview. You are here this morning because you want that. You want something that's sacred. You want a biblical worldview. You want to know what this book has to say about stress and about marriage and about parenting and about finances. You want that. I want that. But I don't want it for you just on Sunday morning. I want you to be involved in that which is sacred outside of just Sunday morning. Find out biblical worldview, right? What God has to say and, and how to navigate through life. Now, the next word, secular, refers to something that does not mention God. It does not mention Jesus. But what I want to point out to you is that just because something is secular and doesn't mention Jesus doesn't mean that it's anti-God or anti-Jesus. It gives a neutral worldview. So for example, let's just say you're listening to a country western song, right? And the song's about, you know, my girlfriend left me, now I'm driving my pickup truck, which is about 50% of all country western music right there, right? Is that anti-God? No, not necessarily. It doesn't mention God. It doesn't elevate Jesus, but it's not necessarily automatically wrong. Does that make sense? And so sometimes what I like to do, what we like to do is take secular music or even secular movies like these, this series and, and redeem it and elevate it and, and bring something good out of it. What I want to make sure you understand, because some of us grew up in church cultures where the minute you accept Jesus as your savior, you got to burn all your secular music. Ever been part of a church like that? Time out. Be careful. See, this book, God isn't against things that are secular. This book is about and against things that are sinful. That's the last definition. And it's vastly different. You see, something that is sinful, um, not only does it not mention God, it is clearly ungodly, unbiblical, and it proposes an immoral worldview. Does that make sense? I want you to be about that which is sacred. So let's stay with music real quick. I don't care what your 
favorite style is. It could be country western, or it could be hard rock, or it could be whatever it is. I promise you there's an artist out there that you can find that is not only a Christian and gives you Christian lyrics, but also gives you the style of music you like. Maybe you should go find them. Just because you should be about things that are sacred. Doesn't mean you have to get rid of the other music. I'm just saying you should be about that which is sacred. And then when it comes to music or movies or books that are secular, you have to have the wisdom to know when that movie crosses the line and it now elevates and celebrates something that is clearly immoral. You know. You know it instinctively. I probably shouldn't be watching this or reading this or listening to that music. You know it. So all I'm saying is let's have a little more wisdom and nuance when it comes to putting labels on things, right? So back to the movie. Let's grab our study guide. Here's principle number one. If you want to jot it down, God expects us to show kindness. He expects us to show kindness. This is one of the main themes in the movie. Um, One of the, some of the more touching scenes uh, are when some of the students, some of the classmates are very, very mean to Augie or unkind and that's difficult. And then vice versa when they show kindness. Um, it's also interesting how much scripture speaks of this. So Ephesians chapter four, verse 32, be kind to one another. Isn't it amazing how much is in this book that is just obvious? We shouldn't have to be told to be kind, but, but God finds it significant and important to remind us of things that are kind of obvious. Guys, go, go get out of here and be kind. Galatians chapter five, 22 and 23 the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the evidence and the proof that you are filled by God's Spirit, among other things, is that you're kind. You can't just say you're a follower of Jesus. You've got to show it. And one of the ways you show it is through kindness. Galatians, I'm sorry, uh, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. What does God require of you? What does He expect? He expects you to love kindness. The first clip that I want you to watch is when they're walking Augie to school, mom and dad. And they are just so nervous and concerned because I sure hope that the kids aren't unkind to my Augie. And so let's watch that clip and then we'll talk about kindness. When given the choice between being right or being kind, choose kind. It almost sounds like something Jesus would say, doesn't it? It, it, It's because so often in this book, we see much the same thing, where God says, "I, I don't want you just to be right. I don't want you just to believe the right things. You know what I also want? I want you to show kindness. That's what I want. And when it comes to showing kindness, I don't want you to show kindness, be kind to people who, who you like, just them. Because there's people we like, right? Or people that, that you have to, like your family. Or people that reciprocate. Let's be honest. Sometimes I'm kind to you because you're going to be kind to me. That feels good. No, no, I, I also want you to be kind to people who don't deserve your kindness, right? I want you to be kind to mean people and grumpy people and difficult people right? People you you live with, go to school with, work with. I want you to be kind to all of them that you don't want to. I also want you to be kind to people that are far from God. There's this verse tucked away in the book of Romans. You see it on the screen where, where Paul, in the midst of all this theology, he makes this incredible statement. He says this. He says, I want you to understand that when you are kind to someone for no reason, just because 
The kindness that you show other people, the kindness of God actually has the potential to lead them to repentance, this says. I want you to think about what he's saying. You don't understand the power of your kindness. See, when you are kind to people that are far from God, what actually happens in their minds and their souls, especially if they know you're a follower of Jesus Christ, is it puts them in a frame of mind to maybe possibly come to a point where they accept Christ as their Savior and Lord. At the very least, you're helping them take a step in the right direction. This is so, there are, earth, there are eternal implications to kindness. Literally. I want to give you some specific suggestions in terms of, well, okay, what do I do? Three things. Number one is be gentle, not judgmental. As is the case with a lot of our, our uh, studies when we're doing these movie series. We don't have the time to look at all the verses. But I've given you the references in your study guide. You can look them up. In, in, in Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, that, that's what we read. We read that God, God, didn't, God doesn't owe you a second chance. Who do you think you are? He doesn't owe you salvation or grace. It, it, that says, it, that verse says, says you, you know what you deserve? You know what I deserve? We deserve the judgment of God. But you know what God chose to do instead? Instead of giving you what you deserve, he instead decided to be kind to you, give you a second chance, and treat you gently by giving you the person of Jesus Christ so that you could restore relationship. And God's like, hey, guys, you know what I did for you? How about try giving that and doing that for other people? Because we all know there are people in our circle that we interact with that deserve to be thumped over the head, don't they? Because of what they've done and what they said, they're jerks. They don't deserve my kindness. And God's like, no, I get that. I really do. And I'm asking you, choose to be gentle with them. I'm not asking you to bite your tongue. I'm not saying you have to do that. But when you do speak, do it gently, not judgmentally. Does that make sense? Second one is be generous with words of affirmation. If you want, this is one of those verses you've got to find your Bible when you go home and underline it because it's a great verse. Um, it, it, it says in Proverbs 16, 23 to 24, it starts out like this. Kind words, that's our theme, kind words are as sweet as honey. And then it adds, it says this, it says they are uplifting to someone's soul, encouraging to their soul, and beneficial to their body. Question, in the last seven days, last week, have your words done that to other people? When they're done talking to you, do they walk away with a little skip in their step? We, we have to be complimentary and encouraging and uplifting and positive to other people, kind to them by our words. And, and the thing is, is that I know you. You think good things about a lot of people. We just got to get it to our mouth and get it out and tell them. That's it. Be generous with words of affirmation. Finally, be over the top with kindness. In other words, don't be stingy when it comes to your kindness. Be generous. These two verses I really do want to read to you. So let's put them up on the screen. There are two passages in Acts. Acts chapter 9, verse 36. It's speaking of a woman called Tabitha. And it says, Tabitha was abounding with deeds of kindness. And then it goes on in that verse to say, and she was continually doing it. Now, I want to speak to, to that just a moment. Um, you know, we, we have a habit between Thanksgiving and Christmas to be extra kind. That's the thing you do, Right? in america we're extra kind in fact we even at church have given you extra opportunities they're in the lobby right now to be extra kind and i'm all about that 
But, but this verse suggests if we're going to be like Tabitha, if we're going to really allow God to do what he wants to do in our lives, how about January through October? Because those needy people don't go away. They're still all around us in our community. Uh, Tabitha was abounding with kindness, and she did it continually. And then you have a little bit later in the book of Acts, uh, Paul is on a ship, and the, and the ship kind of crashes, and he shipwrecks onto this island, and he's on a beach with a bunch of sailors. And then we have this phrase, the islanders showed us unusual kindness. Unusual kindness. Let me ask you a question. The two verses that you see on the screen, what's highlighted, underlined, and bolded, would people say that of you? Let me ask you a question. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 is horrible, 10 is Mother Teresa. How kind are you? Maybe let me ask it a little bit different. On a scale of 1 to 10, how kind do other people say you are? Oh, that's a good question. Right? Because we always give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, don't we? We do. do what do you think? Do you think whatever... Now, give yourself a score. I'm asking you to do that. 1 to 10. Don't you think maybe we should increase that score by one or two? Don't you think? If you're a three, kind of a Scrooge, how about go up to a five? If you're a six, how about go up to an eight? What do you think? Is there anyone here that does not believe the word of God and is unwilling to be kind? Can I see your hand? That's good preaching. I'm doing a good job then. Okay. We, don't forget what you've committed to do. A little extra kindness. Okay. Um, the second principle, probably one of the more emotional scenes Augie has had a, um, he's had a really tough day at school, and he leaves the dinner table, he runs off, and he goes to his room, and uh, his mom kind of chases after him, um, and he's crying, and he asks his mom, why do I have to be so ugly? Let's watch the scene, and then we'll talk. Daniel Hammermash, economics professor at the University of Texas in Austin, has written a book entitled, Beauty Pays, Why Attractive People Are More Successful. According to his research, attractive people, good-looking people, earn on average 3 to 4% more than average-looking people, which means over a lifetime, that's a quarter of a million dollars. And the question is, Why? Why do quote-unquote good-looking people make more money than average-looking people? And the answer is quite simple. It's because the world that we live in overvalues beauty to a fault. That's the answer. God's perspective is a little different. There's a story in the book of Samuel where God's trying to pick a new king for his country, for his nation. And he sends the prophet over to this family who has a bunch of boys and have potential king, kingship in them and and Samuel's trying to decide who to pick, and, it, and it's at that point where God taps Samuel on the shoulder, and he says, hey, hey, you, you're not doing it my way. And you see that verse that's on the screen. He says this. God says to him, don't, don't judge by appearance, by how people look. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People, the world, judge, judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Principle number one is that God expects you to show kindness. Principle number two this morning is that God expects you to focus on inward beauty. Now, having said that, let's, let's not just be overly pious, okay? Let's be honest. It feels good when people compliment us on how we look, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Ladies, if someone comes up to you, another friend or something says, your hair looks especially nice today. 
wow. Or, wow, your blouse, your, wow, you look, ex- you're looking really good, right? That feels good. Guys, if someone comes up to you and goes, you are looking fit, you are looking buff, you are looking hot, doesn't that feel good, right? Huh? If you have to give your pastor a compliment, <laughs> and you had to choose between, pastor, your sermon was fabulous and fantastic, or... Don't, don't go ahead of me, sister. Just stay with me. I got <laughs> option number two. You look fabulous and fantastic. I'll take that one any day, right? Especially when I'm wearing my skinny jeans. That's, I spe- sorry about that image, but uh, guys, it's okay to enjoy being complimented. It's okay to work on how you look. There's nothing wrong with putting some time into that. Watch, here it comes. The question, though, is why are you doing it? What's your motivation for doing it? That's what you have to land on. Let's wrestle with that a little bit. Let me put something on the screen for you. You have to understand that when it comes to Scripture, striving towards physical health and beauty. Now, notice what I've added, physical health, because that's the emphasis that Scripture does. Not just outward beauty, but physical health. Striving towards physical health and beauty should be based not on my insecurity, because some of us are fishing for compliments. We, we do ourselves up because we want other people to compliment us. Beauty and striving towards health should not be based upon society. What the world says I should look like and how I should be and what is good looking. It, it, should, it should not be based on vanity. You know what vanity is. It's an inner pride, essentially. No, striving towards beauty and health should actually be based on theology. You go, what are you talking about? I, again, I've given you the, the reference in your study guide. You can look it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, an entire chapter, half of a chapter. Paul part, starts saying this to us. Listen, guys, you, you have to understand. When God sends Jesus, he does so not only to redeem your soul, he does so to redeem your body. Jesus died for you, and he paid a tremendous price not only to redeem your spirit, but also your body. Because of that, he says, you need to understand your body is actually the the warehouse or the temple of the Holy Spirit. When you invite Jesus to be your Savior, God, the Holy Spirit literally begins to live and dwell within your body. Therefore, because of that, striving towards beauty and health matters. It matters. Exercise matters. Paying attention to your weight matters. Paying attention to your cholesterol and your sugar levels matter. Right? Putting some time into your hair matters. Putting some nice clothes on matter. Taking a shower matters to all of us. It all matters. And it's not because I'm trying to impress that world out there. It's because I'm trying to follow what this book says. And it says that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to speak, first of all, to those of you who are on this side of the extreme and you kind of don't care approach. You got to put some effort in. I'm not saying you got to be consumed and controlled by it, but put some effort in because of what this book says about your body. Eating healthy matters a little bit, right? Great. Say that right as we're going into the Christmas season. Yeah, that's not what I want to hear. <laughs> There's a real short clip that I want you to watch. It's, it's like 10 seconds, but Augie finally makes a friend. And you know how kids are. They don't have a filter. 
and, and there's a little conversation with the friend and Augie about how he looks. And the perspective he has is so good. It's like what I want us to have. So let's watch these 10 seconds and we'll wrap it up. <laughs> I think that's cute, right? I'm going to put some effort into trying to look good. But after that, this is what you get. Well, I mean, I, I know time takes its toll. And I, this, is, this is what you, I'm going to put some effort in, but this is what you got. And the issue is don't be controlled and consumed by your looks. Watch your motivation. And second of all, check your priorities. You see it on the screen. See, from a biblical perspective, inward beauty is significantly more important and valuable than outward beauty. So, therefore, put some time working on inward beauty. Guys, this matters. I, I want to read to you these verses, 1 Peter 3 and 1 Timothy 4, because they matter. So let's put them on the screen. 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4. Don't be overly concerned. I put that word in parentheses because I added it to try and give some context to what Scripture is saying on this topic. Don't be overly concerned by how you look, by outward beauty, the fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. It's okay to spend some time on it, but don't be controlled and consumed by it. Instead, clothe yourselves, put some energy into the beauty that comes from within. 1 Timothy 4, 8, physical training, as in going to the gym, is of some value. The best thing about Thursday services, that we, we don't have them anymore because we were doing a trial run, but was there was a group of people that were going to the gym right next door, and then when they were done, they would run over here Thursday night for service. I was like, that's perfect. Physical health and spiritual, spiritual health in the first same night, right? There is some value to going to the gym, but he says, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So I, I, I spoke to those of you who are on this extreme who kind of aren't paying any attention to your physical bodies. Now let me speak to those of us who might be on the other extreme, way over here, and we're putting a lot of attention into it. And let me ask you a question. Are you as devoted to going to church as you are in going to the gym? Are you as committed to shedding sin from your life as you are shedding pounds from your body? Do you spend as much time praying as you do as much time in front of the mirror primping. Some of you are like, dang, pastor's leg's feeling better because he is preaching. <laughs> That's right, no more soft preaching, I'm back. <laughs> Guys, listen, I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm glad we're a good-looking bunch. I mean, look at us, we are good-looking. <laughs> here's all I'm saying. The amount of time we put into our hair you know, our face, our clothes, our exercise. Don't you think it's reasonable to spend at least as much time focusing on inward health? What do you think? Because that's what I'm saying. Yeah, put some time into outward, but especially put some attention in inward. Does that make sense? Hope that's helpful. Last thing, I, I realize, you know, a lot of you have been coming up to me after these movies. You're like, you ruined the ending, you know? <laughs> it's been out for a year. What do you want me to do, you know? And I realize there's not a lot of you that raised your hands for this movie. You hadn't seen it. So I don't want to spoil the ending. Um, so what I'm going to do, the last clip, what I'm going to do is show you the last five minutes of the movie. In the last five minutes of the movie, 
all the questions are answered. Everything is understood. There's no more secrets. So other than that, I don't want to ruin the last part of the movie for you. So let's watch that clip, and then we will wrap up. Augie's dad's fixing his tie for the last school assembly. And his dad says to him, I'm so proud of you for sticking it out. And I want you to know that likewise, your heavenly father says that to some of you this morning. So proud of you for sticking it out. Because some of you walked in this morning ready to throw in the towel. And God's word for some of you this morning, you see it on the screen. Don't become weary in doing what is good and what is right. Don't give up. See, the last principle that I want to leave you with is that God expects us to persist and to persevere and to push through. You want to know why? It's a life skill you need to learn, and, and here's why. Life's hard. Life's hard. If you're, if you're a student, you know, school's hard, and friendships are hard, and marriage can be hard. And parenting is hard, and grandparenting is hard, and growing older is hard, losing a loved one is hard, career and job is hard, sometimes finances can be hard. Goodness gracious, watching the Golden State Warriors has been hard the last little bit. <laughs> Life's hard. And if you want to make it in life, you, you can't stay on the ground when you get knocked down. You got to pick yourself back up and keep running. Two little nuggets that I want to leave you with. Here's the first one. God expects you to persevere. He expects you to persist. But, but he also expects you to motivate and help others persist. Let's put the next slide up there. Hebrews chapter 12 is a very famous verse. And in that verse, he says, run with endurance the race that is set before you. Life's like a race. The spiritual journey is like a race. Run with endurance the race, and then it says, that is set before us. It doesn't say you. No, 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 us. See, running this race called life, running the spiritual journey, it isn't just about you. The goal isn't to run around the course of life and get to the end and win. Yay, I won. I persevered. No, it's great. You need to persevere. But the principle is that God expects you to persevere and he expects you to look around and find someone else that needs an emotional and a spiritual pick-me-up. That's what little Augie says to his mom. I didn't want to go to school, but thanks for forcing me. Thanks for keeping me going, moving forward in the right direction. You know, just an observation, just an observation. I've been doing this pastoring thing for 30 years now. And this is what I've noticed. In any given group of people or room of people, you, you have about half the people, life's going pretty good. It's not that this half doesn't have issues or problems, but for the most part, they're sailing pretty good. High five, I'm pretty successful, life's going good, I'm happy. But the other half, not so much. The other half's been knocked down by life. They've been bruised up. They're wrestling and they're struggling with something and it hurts. And you want to know what your job is to do? Your job is to find them and give them an emotional and spiritual pick-me-up. 
it's not just about those of us who are doing great. It's about the half that's not doing great. Now, I've also observed, you know what happens in about six months to a year? This group starts to do good again. Life gets better. Guess what happens to you guys? Life starts to tank. And you're like, well, that's not very encouraging. Have another popcorn on me. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. That's what happens. And now guess what your job is? Your job is to go find them and give them an emotional and spiritual pick-me-up. So I'm, I'm saying to you, pick your, pick your chin up and look around. Find someone you can encourage. You can help persevere. Probably my favorite one-liner in the movie is right at the end. Did you catch what little Augie said? He said, you know, I think that everyone deserves a standing ovation some point in their life. Now, here's what I want to leave you with. Sometimes you have to choose which ovation you're going to get. Let me show you. Let's put it on the screen. If you're forced to choose between the ovation that you can get here on earth and the ovation you can get in heaven, always choose the standing ovation you can get in heaven. You see, you know what I want for you? I want you to get a standing ovation from your coworkers or your classmates or your teammates. I want the world to say to you, you're awesome. You deserve an award or a medal. That would be great. I really do. We all love that. But sometimes in life, as you're navigating, you have to choose between impressing people around you and impressing your father in heaven. And I'm telling you, trust me, if you have to choose between the ovation you'll get on earth or in heaven, choose the one you're going to get in heaven when God's angels give you a standing ovation and your heavenly Father and Savior say, well done, good and faithful servant, you've run a good race. Choose that one. We spent 30 minutes thinking about some life principles which one of the three did God bring you here to apply? Some of you guys, I know you have it in you. You're just not showing it. You need to be kinder. Come on, you can do it, says God to some of us. Others, you, you got to really think through this beauty thing. You really do, because we're not spending enough time working on the inside of us. Just like you can't get physically healthy by just sitting on a couch, you can't get spiritually healthy by sitting on a couch. You got to work it. So put some effort in. Or finally, keep running. Keep persevering. Keep pushing through individually and or help other people do it. Is that helpful? Why don't you guys stand with me? We'll close in a word of prayer. I'll let you get going. Uh, what you see on the screens is our next series, our December Christmas series. I hope you don't miss it. Um, if you're out of town for Thanksgiving, I hope you guys have a great week. But let me close in prayer, and I will let you get going. Father, we've had some fun with this movie series, but we've also realized that even though we're handing out popcorn and watching movie clips, we're, we're digging into some issues that are real and some things that we're and are convicting to each and every one of us. So, Father, I pray that I pray that one of these three principles, whether it's kindness or beauty or perseverance, whichever one it is, 
it sinks into our heart and into our minds, and we make some changes. We make some tweaks to better honor you with our lives. Father, we love you. As we head into Thanksgiving week, we just want to acknowledge we're thankful for you. We're thankful for your Savior and what he's done through us. We're thankful for our church and how you minister to us through this, this place. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, have a great week. Bye-bye now.